face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome once again to the one and only film to film. My name is Nyak Linero. I'm here with my good friend James Sturgeon. James, how's your week? Week is going all right. We're almost uh, at the end of this year. Hopefully 2021 is better. We'll see, we'll see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, you never know. I might die before the end of the year. <laughs> Gotta last another Oh my god, weeks. what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's let's not hope let's not assume yeah. death or anything like that. Yeah. But uh this I is, mean this, this has been a year. Yeah. This has been the year. Um so have you watched any uh, any shows, any movies this week? Um, I watched Phantasm for the first time, which was quite interesting and enjoyable. I, I, I thought it held up pretty well as far as like some of these old horror classics. Okay. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, I saw a children's movie. I forget the name now. It, uh, it's voiced by Will Smith and uh, Tom Holland or something Holland. I know, the, the kid from Spider-Man. Uh, and it's about a spy turning into a pigeon. So you know that's that's interesting. All right, uh, there you go. It, it wasn't bad. It was not. I mean, there were moments that were funny and memorable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a good waste of time. Like, yeah. Um, but anyways, I mean, given that I did, they watch a movie about spies. I thought about. Uh, for this week, we would do a, a spy movie. <laughs> I guess if you can call it that. <laughs> I mean, what else would you call it? <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so today uh, I, I did I did pick something different from what we normally do. Uh, once again, though, I decided to keep the Chilean flair. So we are talking about a Chilean movie. But we are talking about strictly about a documentary, and you know uh, the name of the movie is the Mole Agent, or in Spanish would be El Agente Topo. Is that what a, do you think of the movie? Is that a direct translation? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I was not the biggest fan of this film, um, and I think, I think, for me, I was thinking about this before we started filming. I don't know if I'm a big fan of documentaries like this. Um, I just tend to be fairly picky um, about those, and I, I guess I tend to go if I'm am, I'm not a big documentary watcher to begin with. But the ones I do like tend to be a little bit more I don't know, kind of like sports documentary, a little bit hard to the facts. Um, for me, this film didn't really do it for me. Interesting. Okay. All right. So you know, we, we have something to talk about here. Uh, I like when we disagree. All right, so I'm guessing you liked it. I liked it. I mean, so I actually, I've seen a couple of other movies from this director. So the movie was directed by, uh, was written and directed by by Maite Alberdi, who uh, has done her other films has been have been uh, Lifeguard, uh, La Once, which means uh, Tea Time. Back in, in 2014, on uh, Los Niños, or in English, The Grown Ups, in 2016. Out of all her movies, actually, uh, Los Niños has been the only one that was translated differently from the direct translation. So it, it, Los Niños translates directly to the children, but somehow, 
or for some reason they decided to do the English translation as the grown-ups. Uh, anyways, uh, I actually really like her filming style because it's a lot, it is not very fact-based, if you will, uh, or not fact-based, but it, it, it's just, you don't have a narrator at all in any of her films. There's no, there's no one telling you what's happening per se. It, it's just things are happening uh, and you, sh you sort of go with it. And, and I actually like that, that I, mean, I mean, let's put it this way. If you just had that style, in my opinion, but you don't do it well, then the movie's not going to be interesting. I think that she, uh, as a director, uh, as well as you know her editing team and, and music, make it so you do enjoy the way that she frames her films. I mean, the the people she observes are end up being characters, and I mean, and, and that you can follow. And she does create a plot with her documentaries. Um, and she, all those films you listed, those are all documentaries, correct? Like she is specifically yeah. a documentary specialist. I mean, I don't know about the lifeguard one. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I, I, I'm assuming probably yes, but the other two, 100%. I mean, like if you don't like this one, I'll tell you that La Once or Tea Time in English, that one probably you would like even less because that one is just straight up, uh, all ladies having tea time once a week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she follows them. Uh, she, she just like records them doing that for like maybe a couple of years. And, you know, you get to know them, but like they die as, <laughs> as you're watching too. And, uh, yeah. And Grown Ups is about like uh, a facility where the teaches and capacitates uh, people with Down syndrome. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming that the translation was to be politically correct. Because that, uh, that in Spanish uh -huh. is called the children. Okay. And they put probably the grown-ups to, because the children, to call, <laughs> you know, people with Down syndrome the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Politically incorrect. Be a little However, demeaning. It's demeaning. However... In my opinion, actually, uh, the, the original title on that one, which again you haven't seen, but it, on that one would work really well because uh, it's really not about the the people with Down syndrome, but how they are treated, and they're all treated like children, even though they're adults. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And how would you put this film uh, in comparison with the director's other couple films that you've seen? Is this your favorite, or, or like kind of just? average uh for her work I, I actually put it higher in a way because it's i mean to me this one seems even more interesting in the sense that she i don't know how she did what she did mm -hmm. but uh you know basically working with a pi who hired the old man mm -hmm. to be in the in the nursing home i mean that's a lot of like background and then a lot more work because i mean so I, I actually hadn't, the only thing I had known before this movie was when, like what I saw in trailers. And by the way, for the people, just to do a quick recap before we jump into that so people know what we're talking about. So I'll just do a quick uh, IMDb summary. <clears throat> so 
basically a private investigator in Chile hires someone to work as a mole at a retirement home where a client of his suspect, oh no, a client of his suspects, the caretaker of the elder. Wow, this is really poorly written. By the way, this is just copy and paste. So <laughs> I'm just going to do it myself. Basically, uh, a, a private a private investigator hires uh, hires an old man to be a mole in a, in a retirement facility because his client suspects that her mother is being abused uh, by the people taking care of her. Right. And that would be the plot of the movie. So what's kind of fascinating is having that plot or having that really actually happening having the old man be a mole like working for this PI and at the same time somehow um, the director getting the go ahead from this nursing home to be filming in there so I'm very curious what lie they told them yeah the nursing home yeah well yeah <laughs> I mean uh, I feel like this film would never happen in the U.S. I feel like there's too many things that would uh, uh, legally be liable that you'd run into um, in order to film, to, to have the level of access that they have uh, in this film in a long-term care facility in the U.S. You, you would be surprised, but I mean, like, it, it's all about, I mean, let's put it this way. Borat, because I, I, that's a, one thing that I always thought of this movie is like, I mean, you have Borat, which is, which is the person coming with false pretenses, and Bruno, and, as well as all the other characters that, you know, uh, Cohen does. Uh, he comes with false pretenses and film, goes into really, really in deep into like many private institutions. Yeah, and... but, but the thing I'd say about this is in the U.S., this would be considered a healthcare facility, would it not? I'm pretty sure it would. Mm. Right, but I mean, if the healthcare facility were to sign all the contracts, just like everyone else. Okay, including all the residents. Right, including all the residents who you know who appear in it. Right. Okay. Uh, well, assume, I suppose so. uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if everyone approves, then yeah, sure. I guess you could. Right. Yeah. Which is why I'm curious. That, that's the part I'm curious. Is like the the length that she probably must have gone to do it, but uh, and to in the background. With the lie, you know, like I mean, I don't, we don't, I don't even know what she told them. Right, right. Because apparently the 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 retirement home was notified of what the film was about after everything was shoot uh, after they sh they finished shooting everything. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. To me, as a project, I think it's fascinating, and uh, but I mean, of course, you know, you could have a very ambitious project on not come out right but i think that in in this case i i i personally enjoy the product i think um if you view it as a movie and not as a documentary you got a plot you got characters you know you got things going on and then if you view it as a documentary it's i don't know i, I that's how i that's why i like it I, I like it because it it's a little slice of life but with real people right um, I guess that, uh, that lends into probably some of the things that the issues that I had with it. Um, I would have liked this film more if it was just straight fiction. Um, mm. if I'm being honest, uh, like the stuff with the false pretenses, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but it did rub me slightly in a weird way. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, there's just the fact that, like, I, I did a little bit of research just to see how much uh, footage they had shot for this film. And I, I have this... This is more a criticism of the documentary style um, rather than this film specifically, but there's 300 hours of footage, and it's when you distill it down to 90 hour, 90 minutes, you're really picking and choosing a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's like if in a documentary you hear that word and it sort of gives you an idea of like more truth to it. And right. given the false pretenses – and the fact that so much footage is edited down to like a very small, very, very small percentage of it makes uh-huh. me just not trust it as a document of truth. Um, and that would okay. mean if it was just saying it was fiction all along and it was going as fiction. Because I do like some things about this film. I think the, the main uh, guy, Sergio, is is very charismatic and, and a very likable guy. Uh-huh. Uh, at least the way he's portrayed. But I don't know. I kind of think that... Uh, it just, it just, uh, kind of, that whole setup rubs me, uh, not, not the right way. And it's not the first documentary I've had that complaint over. Oh, I mean, that's, that's completely fair. I, I, I would agree. And I mean, like, hell, I wouldn't be surprised that, like, the other documentaries, well, the, the one about the children might be even more problematic in that sense. Not that that one was, they went in with false pretense. That one probably was actually a lot more honest when how they came in. However, I haven't done research on how much how many hours of footage they had on that one, but uh, I'm assuming it was probably also like 300 hours of footage uh, that was narrowed down to only 90 minutes. I am uh, I personally am of the um, I am of the belief that documentaries in general are just like any other film. Personally, uh, and by, by that I mean that that you cannot assume that they're truthful. They will have an agenda. They will have a thesis, and they will have some, uh, some sort of put. They will portray a, a, a version of the truth. You know, if you're, if you're going into if you're trying to look at just get real facts, that's when you go into news and and journalism, right? Like, right. Uh, if you're watching documentary, you're watching an individual's vision of what the truth is. Uh, to me, in this movie, yes, the false pretenses of how they came in might be problematic, but I do cons- I do think that, especially because of, of the manner in which they portrayed the, the place, that where they came in in false pretenses, which is not in a negative way. Like, I mean, I'm looking at this place and I mean, beyond uh, the highly religious things that, you know, are culturally shocking, maybe, uh, it looked fine. You know, like, I've been at nursing homes. I know how they are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, clearly they didn't uncover any huge amounts of abuse. At least that was, well, in the 90 minutes we saw, <laughs> the, it, presumably uh, because that they were looking for too, they didn't un- uncover any big uh, uh, red flags. Right. I mean, in 90 minutes we saw, and also like in the, in the reports of the, the old man, uh, the uh, of Sergio. Right. Which, you know, like, I mean, I believe that the, probably his reports are solid. But I mean, I do think that you, you bring an interesting criticism. Uh, I think 
I think that that's uh, that's something about documentaries in general that you know are flaw, and probably that's why it rubs some people the wrong way. But if you if you view a documentary a documentary just like another piece of art, uh, you, you know, just another type of film, right? Yeah. Because I mean, let's let's put it this way: we've talked about a lot of police Tetsky movie Tetsky's movies, and I mean they're all fiction. But I actually do view them as probably a a point of view of the reality of Italy in the 1970s. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess it just comes to a fairly complicated notion. And I don't know. I guess my criticism is also just somewhat instinctual there. Um, but right. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you've seen it, but I, I this criticism is like the same, but multiplied by 100 for this other documentary I saw this year called uh, Biggest Little Farm. That, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just... I've seen it. And, and maybe the fact that I saw that is rubbing me the wrong way, but it's just like mm. they took footage over the course of like eight years or something of this farm. So obviously probably an insane amount of footage, probably more than this documentary. Um, and uh, it's just like they have a kid in the film. Um, and at the end of the film, you realize the kid's like five years old, um, but they don't actually have him born until like the last 10 minutes of it. Um, just so he can, like, line up with, like, the birth of, like, a baby goat or something like that. And it's just, like, that is manipulative as hell. It's just, like, the the way it, like, plays with their emotions. So, for me, that film was going through the back of my mind this whole time. I was like, ah, is Sergio such a nice guy? Maybe it, maybe the rest of the footage is him just being, like, a, a fucking asshole to everyone. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I do trust this narrative, this film more than I trust Biggest Little Farm, which I thought really had an agenda going into it and showing a right. certain way of life. This film at least doesn't have the, like, a set ideology that is trying to, like, make you fit, but it does make me think that of that 300 uh, hours of footage, you could, like, edit it together. You could be like, oh, we're gonna go hard in on the nursing home. We're gonna make, like, the super critical version. You could just make that, right. it's so many different um, versions of it, and they'd be varying degrees of honesty and it's like we have uh we're trusting the filmmakers to show it in a way and you're right it's like if i just thought of this as a fiction as like a point of view it's no different than a fictional film and maybe that's what how i should think about it um but uh, for me it's just like the guise of uh reality and stuff like that um it, it's just hard for me to um just totally reconcile together well let me so what you're saying for sure is, is true and i mean there's there's a very um <clears throat> so I haven't seen that many, that many documentaries, documentaries of this style. I've seen a couple, but like not that many. Uh, but I do think of like, and I compare this with Borat because Borat comes in with false pretenses. And I mean, like recently, like that's probably one of the fr movies that I have most fresh in my mind. I don't know if you've seen the the, the sequel. I've not. I, I'm I'm over a decade of not seeing any Borat, so I am I'm not right. fresh on the Borat. But you know, I, I've heard I've heard the memes. Right, exactly. So, so I mean, on that one, you know, you you definitely have there there are moments where you can tell that they the certain scenes were edited in 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 such manner to tell a story that may not be there. You don't know, right? Like uh, the the Rudy Giuliani one is the best example where right the way it's edited, it's like you know they they probably played with the voiceover the with this. You know, this, they probably put certain sound bites at the wrong spots to create the wrong impression. 
But I mean, you know, I mean, they, the dude is gross, but like probably not that level of grossness, you know, I, and you could tell it was pretty easy to tell, like when things were manipulated in a way that, right. you know, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing with Bor- something like Borat is like his agenda is so obvious. He's just trying to get laughs and look, make these people look bad. But you're right. It, it's still an issue. I mean, it, just from a different angle um, on those things as well. Right. So right. I agree. I mean, Definitely. you're portraying a real life person like a public person in a way that is misleading and maybe not necessarily factual. So, I mean. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. One thing I, I will say is when when talking about the whole like 300, you said like 300 hours of footage? Yeah, that's what, that's what a uh, five second Google search told me. All right. I'm guessing... I mean, we've we've filmed before. We've we've done our, our shorts, and you know, like our long our longest short is maybe forty minutes. But in <laughs> footage, we had like, and I mean, and that's in footage that we had like probably several hours. Yeah, I think we probably had like four hours. Yeah, so I mean, like, granted, we were trying to tell a story. It's a fiction, but I mean, how much can you film in a nursing home? You know, like they probably, like you, you gotta remember that the old man has. So you got the camera crew, all right. So that's those are the main cameras. But then the old man has a camera in his in his pen. Yeah. And a camera in his glasses. Right. And you don't know when the man turned on that camera. Right. I mean, I suppose if those are just turned on, you could just rack up those uh, those footage uh, pretty fast. Exactly. And I mean, what what if, you know, Sergio turned it on accidentally? Yeah. Because, I mean, the the guy was not like a technological whiz or anything. Yeah. So I mean, I guess it's kind of like strapping your uh, iPhone to like a dog or something and just letting it like rack up steps or something. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) you just turn it on when you're asleep. Oh, there's another 30 hours of footage. So that's why I'm like, okay, it's true, hours. True. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what the what the other a uh, hundred, uh, two hundred ninety eight and a half hours were, but I, mean, I gotta say, the ed- whoever was the editor of this movie, you know, deserves a fucking raise. That's for sure. Because I I, I'm really expecting a lot of like accidental footage coming from those pens and those glasses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus. I mean, just going through all that footage, it's such a pain. It's like. <laughs> Making a documentary just sounds like a lot of just being in a room and going through very mundane footage. It feels like a real grind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, that's why I'm like, I understand your position, but I'm like, you. in fact, you could have had it. I mean, like, let's think about The, the Last Dance. Yeah. It's another, like, another documentary. I mean, how many hours of footage did they have? And then you oh, know, what lot. story yeah. did they... And what story did they portray? Yeah. I mean, the thing I like, I was thinking about The Last Dance, too, because that's one of the more recent documentaries I've seen. And it's an example of a documentary that I do quite enjoy, is that mm. it does a little more... Um, you, I mean, as with everything, you know, there are certain points of view and perspectives <laughs> and different angles people are going to come at it from. But I do feel like it was... Uh, it had sort of like a real... I don't know. There's a real narrative arc to it. And a lot of it is like based off of real life events and things like that, that can be nice to just sort of anchor the story in certain ways. So mm-hmm. you have these like big landmarks, you're like, here's the 1996 NBA finals. All right, we're talking to this person and this person and this person and Michael Jordan about it. And 
Right. So it's just I a mean, very different I mean, format. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it is worth scrutinizing what could be certain like skewed points of view and what the documentary and how it's edited too right right because who you choose i mean you could just like you could interview someone for hours and you could just say fuck it it doesn't fit what we're going for so we're going to edit it out um Mm -hmm. whereas like we're going to focus on like this i don't know i mean whatever a lot is subject to uh what you end up seeing on your screen is is very subject to the editing choices that are made Mm -hmm. yeah no definitely definitely i mean i don't know so still uh, it's an it's an interesting discussion. I do think that what one thing about documentaries that I, I might agree with you is that uh because something is called documentary, people treat them as if they were facts. Right. When at the end the documentary is just a film, just like any other one. It's just it's a format that is different. Yeah. It's like found footage. Not exactly, <laughs> but you know, it's a format. Yeah, yeah. it's a format. I mean, anyways, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we were able to talk about this. I, I think uh, this is not at all something I was planning to talk, but uh, I, I'm very glad that we talked about it. I think it's important. Right. Well, it, it, it's pretty much the extent of my criticism of the film. So, I mean, there you go. Right. It, it also informs me exactly why. Why. why and now I kind of want to watch the other horrible movie they were mentioning just to see how bad it was. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it it's it's also I mean this film had good reviews. Biggest Little Farm also has very good reviews. People really like mm. that film. I I think I might just be like a cold-hearted bastard uh, that has no soul. <laughs> the fact that I'm just like I I see these people like I see these sweet old Sergio and like I don't trust this narrative. Um, or, or the same thing with, like, the people doing, like, their self-sustaining farm. I'm like, these guys have an ideology and they want us to – this is, like, a piece of propaganda to support it. Right. So it's like I mean, I'm just I'm just naturally very cynical towards it. So, I mean, maybe that's uh, that's why I watch Politioteski and not, <laughs> not documentaries, but I don't because know. They don't, because they don't have any, any propaganda whatsoever. Uh, but, okay, yeah. anyways. <laughs> it's just – I uh, mean, it's just pure fiction. Yeah. Uh, one question though since we since you know i mean we can call it propaganda we can call it thesis well what what do you think was the main message of this movie i think it was more just to convey the um sort of the emotional states that some of the residents are in and and where they're at um and see i don't know i mean i guess the prevailing emotion that sort of accompanied it at the end was probably just like the loneliness and like how maybe all these especially these women in this facility um uh just sort of ended up that way i mean i read a couple of the reviews on it um that were a little more positive on it and talking about just sort of like the loneliness that uh happens Mm -hmm. to people later in life your body's declining and it's like kind of hit or miss if your family even comes to visit you um, right. So, I mean, my wife, my wife works at a long-term care facility, so I do hear a little bit about that too. So I have a small amount of insider stuff of how it is done, um, in the U S as well. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, personally, I think that the main thesis or the main message in this movie was sort of the, the, the loneliness and, and sense of abandonment that some of these folks have. Right. And and how that is the hardest thing that they deal with assuming that the facility is fine i mean it could be much worse they could be hitting them and all that 
But I mean, this seems like a fine facility, and right, yeah, yeah. I mean, and stuff like the um, accusations of stealing and that stuff mm-hmm. from like uh, the staff or other people's. I mean, that's super common in I think just about every single long-term care facility. Um, right. It, so it's it's interesting to see those things. What, what do you think of the of the plot twist there? That it's her. That it's like Marta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. It makes sense, but I mean, I, I I was surprised about it because at first I I really thought it was just like just, just like you were saying, like yeah, you know, people are ta- like it is a common trope that at a nursing home people say things are missing. Yeah. And maybe that's not, never the case, but it was funny to actually find out like no no someone was stealing shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sergio successfully investigated it. So credits to yeah, uh, he, good old Sergio. Well, he noticed because she was stealing his candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I do think that, uh, again, let's assume that everyone is portrayed accurately, right? Yeah. For a second. I do think that the movie has very good uh, uh, characters. I mean, Sergio, as you mentioned, he is uh, highly charismatic. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And, and, and the old ladies, the ones who, you know are almost all there are also like very charismatic yeah yeah i mean yeah. uh yeah you do get to meet them i almost wish it was a little more normal documentary style where they could just like interview them and ask them about their life and stuff in a way uh, but you know it, i mean it chose to go this way i don't think there that was a wrong choice necessarily um it does create a more naturalistic feel the fact that you don't have like a narrator that just juts in and it's like so what do you think mm-hmm. about this? Where'd you grow up? And that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I also think that maybe they were doing it to avoid uh, camera shyness. Because, I mean, sure, the cameras were there. Right. But, like, if someone is interviewing you, you're going you're gonna to start portraying a persona. But uh, here you really, I mean, in, in some moments, I mean, you really got to see, you know, I, I don't, I forgot the name of the lady who has a crush on Sergio. Yeah, I forgot like, it too. Uh, you know, you you see him, you see her flirting, and you like you see her, and in some moments the camera is kind of hidden, and you can, you know, you right. I mean, it creates uh, a more, um, I mean, uh, as we've said, a more naturalistic um, conversation. It's like you're having a real conversation rather than like uh, like an interview, which is different. Yeah, interview is not a real conversation. Exactly. Uh, in a way, it was, uh, I don't know. So I saw I watched this one with my partner, and uh, she was mentioning how like it almost fe- felt like they were all in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it's when you, when you get to a certain age, it's like certain stuff you you do revert back a little bit uh, cognitively and stuff like that. So I mean, middle school, not, it's not a bad observation. Yeah. yeah. Like, are you, it's almost like they, they don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. That was kind of interesting to to see. Um, I also did like Marta. Her story was kind of. I mean, I, I I'm very curious what her full story was. You know, right. like because according one one of the things about this documentary, I actually like uh, that because people were not being interviewed and because there was no like heavy digging on 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 the other people. We don't really know what, um, like, all we know is what Marta says, 
Right. Uh, and her story is kind of interesting, right? Like she's like, she got caught by the cops for some reason. She ended up at that place and her mom never picked her up. Now, her mother was, was clearly dead. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, just based but, off of Marta's age. Exactly. But, but the cops part, you know, how did she end up in that house? Like, who right. is paying for that? Who is the family member? Yeah. And, and, and is Marta a reliable narrator? It's like, we don't necessarily know. Right. I mean, but, but her story is compelling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, should they have done it like a Martin Scorsese, like the Irishman, where Marta is talking and then it just she stops talking and just freeze frames. And they're like, you know how it like freezes on like the mob boss is like, he was shot in the head seven years later in the back of a parking oh lot. And there's, <laughs> it's like, Marta was caught stealing in 1987, dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could have used uh, some of the same music. That's true. <laughs> um, actually, so yeah. What, so ignoring your distaste for uh, the the lack of uh, truthfulness or alleged lack of truthfulness, uh, what do you think of like you know the editing with the music and all those things? Like, I mean, it was polished. It was well done. Um, I have mixed feelings about the intro to the mole agent. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I have more mixed feelings about just the premises and the structure of the documentary. But yeah, I mean, as far as like, uh, it's well shot. Uh, it's well edited. Um, the sound sounds good, uh, considering the cameras are quite distant from some of the characters right. some of the time. So I thought it had a pretty consistent um, sound and polish to it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I thought, I thought technically speaking, um, well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a moment, actually, I would say in the beginning, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I almost feel like they kind of wanted to show you a little bit of how they were doing it. Because mm -hmm. uh, there's a moment where there's that, like when they just get to their nursing, uh, I mean, uh, retirement home, there are the three women sitting sitting down and they're like noticing all the cameras and they're like, oh, they're filming us and they're like recording our conversations. And then all of a sudden the, the, boom, the boom mic kind of lowers down so you can see it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of curious whether or not they, they did that on purpose so mm. the audience kind of knows how, like, what, how, why you can hear them so well. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm assuming that there was probably, like, a person with a boom mic everywhere. Right, right. Or at least, yeah, everywhere where the director wanted them to be. Right. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, this was filmed within three, uh, three months, which is kind of interesting. Um... One thing I I thought was also, I don't know. I mean, I personally like the intro. So going a little bit into the intro, it, it, when they were hiring the old people, I do like that you, you do have, uh, out of, from the interview, you get a little bit of, uh, a little taste of, of what it is to be an old person in Chile. Like, because the notice was uh, for someone who is between 80 and 90, which is old as fuck, if you think about it. Right. <laughs> Like, that's really old, uh, but, like, that's the job offer, right? And, like, there was one person who literally was, like, being interviewed, talking about how, like, he was shocked that he saw that notice, and he jumped right away into it, because in any other job, like, his age has been a complete, you know... Right. ...cut from, from work. It was... So, it kind of tells you there's people that old that want, that want to work and maybe need to work, and that they can't, obviously, for age reasons. 
Right. I mean, same same would be true probably for the U.S. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And I don't know. It was an interesting. I mean, that was kind of. I thought it was interesting. And you see, like the different old people in the interviews and giving their opinions about things. One right. guy saying, like, "Oh yeah, no, I completely understand technology. I know how to use all of those things. I just don't use them because we don't need them." He probably doesn't know any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could totally do virtual reality. Um, I just don't need it. So, you know, I live in the real world. Uh, what do you think of the uh, PI guy? I mean, it was okay. I kind of thought, I, it's like, given where the film goes, I don't know how necessary the first 20 minutes is. Um, like, it could have been condensed a little bit. Uh, mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't have strong feelings about the PI guy. Like, like which parts are within the first 20 minutes would you take out? Well, I just feel like that storyline of being like a mole agent on that stuff doesn't really go anywhere um, in the end. But, but it's real. That Like all of that is real. Yeah, sure. But I mean like if you're choosing the 90 minutes or whatever to put in, I mean I just think they could have just narratively shortened it to like a few minutes. I don't know. I mean it's fine. Uh, the, the whole spy part of it, just given where the story goes and stuff, I, I don't have strong feelings about it, but it feels a little... I don't know, wacky. I I wonder a little bit if like their other footage wasn't strong enough because it's like ninety minutes, so you can't cut much from this and still have it be like a good feature length. I, I wonder if they like kept it to just sort of keep the documentary fluffed up a bit. Maybe. I mean, I, I thought I thought it worked. I I actually I thought it worked mainly because I also li- I do like the the relationship that uh, they had. Um, the Sergio and uh, the PI, right? Or, or at least how it's portrayed in the movie. Let's just again, let's assume everything is how it is. I do like the relationship in the sense that, you know, the PI often would be very frustrated, <laughs> right, with with Sergio because Sergio would like to give his opinion on shit instead of just giving the facts, or Sergio, you know, would. Uh, would not be tactful on his spying. He would literally be talking to the nurses. It's like, oh, is she taking her pills? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just I, like, I thought... what, what did the PI expect? The guy's like 84. I mean, <laughs> like this is it, like he's teaching him a new job. This is not exactly like Humphrey Bogart, like in the 40s or something. Right. No, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, I that's why I like the I like the uh, that relationship. You know, or right. when he's not giving a report, like he. That's that angry phone call, and the guy is like, "Hey, stop it! I will give you the report now." I don't know. Like, I, um, I, I, were you surprised on how like sensitive of a person Sergio was? I mean, he's a charismatic guy. He's a likable guy, so maybe a little bit. But I mean, like, he is he is the cream of the crop. He is the he's the eighty four year old they chose from probably pretty. At least uh, at least five people that they interviewed that they showed photos <laughs> of. There's presumably more. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was also an interesting choice that the this facility they're going into um, has a really heavy women-to-man ratio. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they specifically chose a man. Um, they didn't go into why they made that decision. Or at least I, I didn't catch them going into that decision specifically. But that's definitely yeah. a decision that they made, uh, all things considered mm-hmm. there. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess 
to answer your question, a little surprised by how sensitive he was, but I wonder if that was a specific choice to just given the role that he was trying to play. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also curious whether, uh, whether the choices were made by the director or by the PI, too. Yeah, very good question. I mean, when I watched this film, I almost, I didn't know, uh, I hadn't done the research, so I thought the director might be the PI. Um, and obviously I found out after the fact that that was definitely not the case. So they definitely could have wanted, I mean, they have slightly different motives in this whole thing. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it almost sounds like that the, the PI guy, uh, you know, in a way was kind of taking advantage of the fact that there's this whole film crew filming too. Right. I mean, if I was a PI, I would definitely do that. I'm like, oh, you're going to do a documentary about what I'm doing? Awesome. Yeah, film everything. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that PI guy definitely had 300, those 300 hours, that PI guy probably watched all of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he was 20 years younger, this PI guy would have his own YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I like the PI guy. I think he was also very sleazy, which made it even better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not super sleazy, but like yeah, yeah. there were sleazy moments. I mean, he, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely the sleaziest character there. If if you trust how he is portrayed, he's probably like, I'm not sleazy at all. Uh, the director chose the sleaziest footage of me. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, there were moments like I don't know. I mean, when he's training the the, the Sergio, like it's he doesn't seem sleazy there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you ha there's. I think there has to be a level of sleaziness both for a PI, like in general, a PI has to be somewhat shameless or sleazy because of the nature of the work. I mean, they're literally investigating things that are right. Like that someone does feels too ashamed to ask the cops to do. Yeah. And may, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm more suited towards that work than I am uh, towards uh, <laughs> reviewing, uh, have, uh, feel good documentaries. <laughs> I also, I actually was surprised that this was a film good documentary. Uh, I mean, because her, her other, so the children's one, Oh, oh, sorry, Grown Ups in English. Uh-huh. That one was not a feel-good documentary. Okay. Well, you know, uh, maybe if I had saw that, I would have seen this in a different context, where it's yeah. like if she's done sort of an expose-style journalism, it does present this in a different context uh, a little bit, just because this didn't end up being the expose it was trying to be. Um, yeah, and maybe that's how it just turned out. Mm -hmm. uh, right, right, right. I mean, not that she, not that the Grown Ups was like a full expose. Again, I, I think she, this director comes in with maybe some vague idea what she wants to do, mm -hmm. and goes uh, and like films people at like people who people don't normally think about. Mm -hmm. You know, again, people with Down syndrome or people, etc. Um, with children, I mean, to, to me, that one was not a feel good movie in the sense that like. At the end, it really exposes not just the, the place. Because, I mean, it doesn't show the place in, like, horrible light, but it's not the greatest light. Right. But it's not really the place fault, but it's just, like, the entire legal, societal, and everything, how everything is built to, you know, not treat folks with Down syndrome as people. Gotcha. As, a, as like, functioning adults. Um I don't know. I mean, I do recommend watching it. Uh, I highly recommend watching that one. Uh, 
because yeah, yeah, it's I, I wouldn't put it as a, a feel good documentary at all. It it's not a feel bad documentary. It's just it's similar style as this one. Just camera shooting a whole a shit ton of time, right. like probably yeah. hour, tons of hours. Yeah, I guess if I knew this person's worldview a bit more, maybe I would have been a little more forgiving too towards uh, some of the choices. So mm. yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing that really caught my attention is how religious this place was. Uh, I mean, it was called St. Francis. So, I mean, you, you got to have some level of uh, some religion in there. But like, holy shit. Like, you know, there were Jesuses and, and saints everywhere. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, think about the ages of people, too. It's like, I mean, it's it's kind of a target demo, you know? True, true. I, yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. But I mean, it's still like they're all the folks there are really old, but I mean, then you have like, uh, Mart, I think Marta was the one who had like those emoji, uh, <laughs> pillows. So you do have that like weird juxtaposition between, you know, like this modern stuff right next to like an effigy of like, you know, right. St. Peter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was sort of, I, to me, it caught my attention. Maybe it's because I am not, uh, a very religious person yeah um, i mean it makes a i felt like that part touch of it felt pretty real um i uh -huh. i i was not skeptical of the director making anything up in regards to uh the re religious uh uh iconography if i'm saying that mm -hmm. word right um so yeah i mean it, it made the setting uh fairly believable i mean i believed it yeah i mean well it's, yeah and again the name of the place obviously means it's going to make it probably religious. I mean, you right. have anything called saint something. Right. I, although not necessarily. It's like the, everything that has like that, that those names these days isn't necessarily Christian anymore. But I mean, yeah, it does tend to imply that. Um, it's like Holy Cross University in, in Boston or in yeah. Massachusetts. It's like, I don't think that's a religious institution anymore. So it's like, I, I don't know. Or, or it might be, but uh, they, they don't flaunt it. Exactly. I mean, places yeah. have done various, like Seattle U, it's Catholic school, right? Or Jesuit. Yeah. Um, but it's quite, Catholic. Qu questionable, yeah. I mean, well, they, they have their own uh, chapel. True, but like, um, are their students particularly all Catholic? Probably not. No, but uh, apparently in undergrad, they have to take uh, theology. Okay, well, there you go. All right. Some insider knowledge for you. Yeah, I, I knew someone who went there, so I was like... Okay. Anyways, um, so what things do you like most about, I mean, yeah, what things do you like most about the movie? I feel like easily the thing I like the most is um, just Sergio. Uh, yeah. Without him, I just don't think there's a movie here. The fact that they didn't find any particularly interesting cases of, like, abuse or, or, uh, or like, malfeasance from anyone, really. I mean, I if... Marta's uh, kleptomania is like the most of it. Then I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, and probably unsurprising. Uh, mm -hmm. And it would be surprising if uh, the the staff already knew about that um, beforehand. So I don't know. I mean, definitely Sergio. Without him and his natural charisma and his ability to have sort of these naturalistic conversations uh, with with people, I, I don't think there's a movie there. Well, yeah. Uh I I agree. I think uh 
Sergio was definitely probably the, the, the biggest highlight of the movie. Um, it's funny. So, uh, have you ever watched Malcolm in the Middle? I mean, I, I feel like as many kids growing up our, our era, uh, I, I saw some stuff, Malcolm in the Middle in the background. I don't know. I was not a religious watcher of that show now. So, but you know, you know, they, you know, there's, it's three siblings or uh, three brothers. Right. The youngest one is Dewey. Yeah. And then uh, at some point they uh, start selling meth, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised that there was an episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah, uh, Dewey. Yeah. By the way, no, there is a, apparently they, the crew from uh, Breaking Bad did do a joke. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they did a, a post season like after the show ended like series after the series finale ended yeah they did a post thing where hal wakes up with lois yeah and she's like what's going on and hal is like i had a dream where i just was killed and she's like what what were you doing i was killing some neo-nazis and they were dealing meth <laughs> <laughs> well i mean people forget but like the Brian Cranston was like this is way off topic, but Brian Cranston was really um, um, famous at that time for Malcolm in the Middle. So it's like casting him as like a science teacher dealing meth. I mean, that was pretty. Uh, it was hard to escape the Mountain Malcolm in the Middle impression, to be honest. So it's like, I, I mean, now now he's the fucking guy from Breaking Bad. So it's like he he's already totally destroyed that image. But you know, now it's probably yeah. like you go back and watch Malcolm in the Middle, and you're like, oh, what the fuck's this guy doing? Uh, Anyways, let's let's get back to Dewey in Malcolm in the Middle. The reason I was yeah, the reason I was bringing this was uh, uh, Dewey, um, the youngest character. Yeah. Look a picture of him like right now if you if you can. Like. Like look for a picture online. Yeah. In twenty twenty. No 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 like. Oh okay yeah yeah, sure sure all right I see him. Dewey Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah yeah I I gotcha. What about? Tell me. That Sergio is not the old Chilean version of Dewey. Uh, oh man, I, it's certainly possible, isn't it? Like eighty years later. Yeah, and you know, yeah. a little bit. Uh, He's just like such a wholesome, nice guy. I mean, <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I just yeah. Because at first he's like all serious, but then yeah, yeah, the dude is just very wholesome. But I'm talking about also like looks. Has like this little beady eyes and, yeah. uh, and like I don't know, very uh, the, the same shape of face and everything. I I, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So if you're listening and you watch this movie and you get what I'm talking about, you'll get a blast. Yeah. Like, um. I I thought yeah, Sergio was really good. I thought Marta was actually a very interesting person. I really would like to know more about her. It's, right. it's very sad. Her, like what the fact that every day she's like at the doors asking people to open the door um mm -hmm. in fact before recording this i kind of went back to uh, see a couple of scenes of the movie mm -hmm. and i noticed like i don't know if you remember at the very beginning when they get to the nursing home there's a woman by the fence mm -hmm. and she's like hey could you open the fence could you open the fence and the cameraman is like uh no my hands are uh, my hands are busy. I'm assuming, you know, holding the mm -hmm. camera. She's like, oh, okay, you're all tied up. Ma'am, could you do it? And she's talking to the director. The mm -hmm. director is like, probably like saying no. Yeah, yeah. And it was, 
it's just what? funny like how Marta like how relentless she was at trying to get out of that building yeah yeah I mean she had good energy yeah yeah she's kind of like a, yeah she's kind of like one of the uh, people that got quarantined in wreck <laughs> <laughs> I mean would you watch a would you watch wreck nine with the exact same cast as this movie <laughs> if they're if they're all alive yeah Marta's the Portuguese <laughs> Ah, oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> um, another moment, like so, a moment in this movie that actually also caught my attention was uh, him talking to the lady with the memory issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, actually, James, good question. Do you get? I mean, are you? Do you have grandparents alive? I do. All right, and like, how are they mentally and physically? Uh, I only have one, and she's very, very old. Uh, she's mm-hmm. pretty good mentally and physically, considering her age. She's one hundred and four, so I mean, very, very. Damn, one hundred and four. All yeah. right, shit. Yeah, but she lives on uh, her own, so she's pretty capable, honestly. That's impressive, because uh, yeah, the, the reason I was asking is because you know, like, uh, I'm assuming you you've lived. To see some of your grandparents die, then right? Yeah, all all the other three. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Uh, and that's, I mean, like I don't know, like seeing all these old folks. To me, I'm always like, I do make like a, think of my grandparents since like almost all of them are alive, and like some of them are kind of losing their memories and their facult like mental faculties, and it's just like watching that I don't know I was thinking of that, that woman the one who couldn't remember and at first like Sergio is like she's like oh my kids never visited me and Sergio's like oh but you know you, you didn't recognize me uh, maybe you know they do visit you and blah 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 and then he kind of investigates on his own and realized that her kids literally never visit her mm-hmm. I thought that that was just like a pretty sad thing and you know and he gets to like sure he gets a those pictures of her kids, I'm assuming probably stolen from Facebook. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, there it's again, it's not a criticism of nursing home or a retirement home, but it is sort of a criticism of the society where right. like, right. I mean, I, for me too, it's like my wife, my wife, wife works at a facility very similar to this a very similar uh female to male ratio in fact a very similar occupancy so it's like i hear a little bit about it and like i mean this is a little bit tangential but it's like something like this pandemic is really rough because people these are the most at-risk people people in these long-term care facilities and it's like in Mm -hmm. the states i don't know what they're doing in chile but in the states they basically lock it down so it's like no visitors nothing so it's like even the people that do have people like family members that would come and visit, which is like obviously very meaningful to a lot of the people that live there, they can't right. even do that. So, I mean, like it just shows you kind of like the difficulties of like mental health and, and the challenges that they're probably undergoing even more so um, in 2020 um, than they yeah. were during the course of this film. So, I mean, like highlighting their loneliness and stuff like that, I think. I mean, I think that's correct, I, 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 and uh, uh, and I think it's probably even worse right now, unfortunately. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah. so I, actually, that so I, I uh, recently my grandfather ended up going to a retirement home. So my my grandparents they they're, they're both alive, 
but uh, they, they lived together basically alone. And uh, my grandfather, he, he's not been able to control his body anymore. Mm. Like, not just as stink but like, he falls down for no reason. Right. Like, his body mm-hmm. just, like, his muscles just stop working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, he might be walking and then fall asleep and then get really injured. Mm. And my grandmother, you know, like, I mean, they're both in, like, their mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, I think he's, I think he's going to turn 90 this year. And, like, she couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, she couldn't afford having, like, a 24-7 nurse. Right. That is also strong enough to carry the, the man. Right. Um, so he's at a retirement home. And just recently, Santiago went into sort of phase two. Same, they have kind of a like similar system as the, as the U.S. So now they cannot visit him. Because she's been trying to visit him every single day. And now she can't. And it's just like, I can only imagine like how much he's suffering. Especially because his mind is actually all there. Like, I mean, the dude's fell, the, the, he falls asleep. Yeah, like at random uh, like times, but when he's awake, like he's fully lucid. He knows exactly what's going on. Right. Uh, well, we may have been skeptical of those older men's ability to use the iPhone at the beginning, but now they're probably pros. Maybe I mean yeah, at zooming and all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe he was never good with technology. Oh, okay. Well, so like. It, even, even, I mean, he kind of almost forced retired himself uh, as an architect because they were going into CAD and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was still like a pen and paper kind of guy. Okay. But like, like he's a, you know, like there's some people who are just like not good at technology and that's just their nature. So like, like for example, my grandmother, like his wife, she, she has Facebook. She uses WhatsApp. She uses like... So she's good. She's good. Yeah. He, on the other hand... No, not at all. Like right. so, like I've tried to call him on his phone. I mean, I remember when, uh, 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 like a few years ago, I would say like maybe five years ago, I was trying to teach him how to use like a smartphone, and he was just, I forgot that I'm recording with this, but he would just like try to like hit it really hard with his fingers, and uh-huh. like no, you, you got to be gentle, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. he never got it. Like he just it never clicked. Right, right. So I don't know. I mean, some old folks are. I mean, Sergio actually figured out how to use his phone, which is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some are pretty good. I mean, these days, too, they make uh, devices specifically for older people, too, which, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure are easier, but it doesn't solve the problem 100%, where it's just, like, bigger buttons and bigger fonts and stuff like that that makes life a little bit easier. Right. I mean, I almost feel like buttons would... Like one, one thing about... I know this is a weird tangent... But if we're talking about like technology, like in a, like iPhones, I feel like are probably like the worst thing for old people, because <laughs> they 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 gotten rid of all the buttons. I mean, like yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to go old school sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, that's why my my grandmother took a while to switch from uh, uh, BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, BlackBerry, you got the keyboard. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Another thing, well, so going back to the movie, uh, another thing I personally did think, you know, was sort of, uh, I don't know, I personally touched me a little bit was uh, the, how, you know, there was that distinction between the people who are like fully lucid, like self, self, 
self-efficient or whatever and the people who weren't and like even in the nursing home there was that distinction you know you, you got that then the, the, the woman who has a crush on him right and she's like oh I'm self-sufficient I, I've always been and I like you because you're self-sufficient and a gentleman <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, you but yeah you do kind of have those groups of people and I don't know uh, like you could see like for example some old ladies I'm not sure if uh, the filmmakers stage it this way or if it's happening but they were kind of like almost trolling Marta where you know there were one person was like does she have a mother no <laughs> and like because you know like uh, Marta they you know she believes that her mom is still alive right right um, I don't know I mean, there's a lot of behind this happy movie because I mean, you were talking about how this is sort of a feel-good movie, but behind that, the, one thing I like about this movie, I guess, is that there's a lot of sadness behind it. Like that's true. You know, maybe it's more poorly described as a happy movie and more just like an emotional movie. It probably yeah. is like more happy than it is sad, but there's there's a healthy mix of both of those things mixed in. I mean, you in the movie, you know that one person died. The woman who did all those poems, mm, right, and right. then, and then once it ends, it says in the memory of, and then it names three people. I don't know who the other two were, but I'm assuming they were also women who were like actually in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I mean, like, it is pretty, like you have you're very conscious that you know these folks are dying, and right. I don't know. Uh, also, it's kind of sad the story of the woman who has a crush. I mean, like she's been there for twenty five years. We don't know why. We don't <laughs> yeah. know who her family is. That's a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. I mean, she's in her she's eighty something, right? So she went in there when she was in her sixties, which is that's like. I mean, that's fully functional. I mean, I don't know. On my sixties, my idea is to be working, right? I'm pretty uh, sure you'll be drooling. <laughs> Well, let's hope not. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe uh, 2021 will yeah. be the end of the world and we don't yeah. have to worry about this anyways. Uh, I mean, if 2020 has taught us anything, is yeah, don't expect anything. Well, maybe, maybe in the end, this had the exact same message as uh, the end of The Irishman. It's like Robert De Niro just sitting alone in the chair with no one to talk to. Yeah. Maybe Sergio should have gone and interviewed him. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Too much yeah, Irishman references for uh, for this uh, this mole agent documentary. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so now that we've talked about it, do you feel any better about it, or you still like have a position? Uh I I think that's still how I feel about it. I mean, I I feel. I feel a little bit better about the filmmaker in general, but I mean, for me as a documentary, I mean, call it at least somewhat personal preference. Um, but for me, it just, it doesn't totally work. Um, I'm guessing for you and your partner, you both liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was expecting to, expecting it to like, expecting to like it. Uh, I do think that maybe you would like the, uh, the grownups more if you ever get a chance mm -hmm. to watch it. Um, but yeah, I, I like this one. Um, 
uh, I mean, this one's the one that uh, Chile is sending to the Oscars. So we'll see what happens yeah. there. Yeah. It, it would be weird. I, I don't think that it would ever be nominated for like best uh, foreign language film, but maybe within documentary, I don't know. Yeah. The Oscars, they have such a weird... Uh, Category system. Yeah. Well, that and... But no, I'm thinking more on documentaries, like... The documentaries that they pick are always, like... Weird. Like, you have, like, one or two that are, like, very solid, and then you have three that are, I'm like... Not sure. <laughs> right, yeah, it can be very front-loaded. It's like if, if they can just get a few people to vote for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, it probably depends a lot on how the campaigning and stuff goes. And how many movies there are in 2020? True, true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, James, would you recommend this movie? To a person who is not as stone-hearted as myself, they probably have a decent chance to enjoy it. So, um, yes. It to, to, to depends on the person, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about you? I, I, would, I would recommend it. I mean... I, I will, uh, if you have a stone, I mean, I, we don't even know if you have the same kind of stone heart, right? So even if you have a stone heart, check it out. And then if you don't like it, well, fuck it. Then, then boy, Miniaki and thank James. You'd be like, yeah, I agreed with everything James said in this episode. Yeah, definitely. So, and give it five <laughs> stars. And if you liked it, give it five stars and say, James is an idiot. And Miniaki was right. Yeah. I mean, again, you got both opinions here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so whatever um would you are you interested on in, in checking out other of this director's films maybe down the line i don't know if i could take another one anytime soon though all right that's fair yeah. that's fair uh i i'm like now i'm kind of curious since you're you know like you're not at all to land like do you see any differences or would you think that there are any differences culturally or anything from this movie Compared to like an American equivalent, yeah, not maybe as a movie or maybe as just like uh, the people, like how the people interact and things like that. I feel like, you know, I feel like there's a couple cultural things, like um, the probably the Catholicism in this. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure you could find a Catholic uh, long-term care facility in the U.S. too, but I mean, I don't think they're going to be particularly common. But, you know, I think one of the strengths of this film might be that a lot of its themes are pretty universal of just, like, mm -hmm. loneliness and getting old and, and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it has a mix of universal themes, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. I was just kind of curious, uh, especially, like, maybe the interaction of the folks themselves. And, I don't know. Um, all right. Well, who won? Uh, Sergio. Sergio, okay. Yeah. yeah, I would say Sergio won. I think he, he steals everyone's hearts. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think... I don't have anything else to say about this movie. I mean, yeah. I say go see it. James says go see it maybe if you're a softy like me. Yeah, if you're uh, a softy. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you cry in any of the Pixar movies, then definitely see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, um, and yeah, I mean, James, do we have a, the next movie coming up? Yeah, we're going to be doing a double feature, uh, and maybe even having a guest on this podcast, uh, the bird with the crystal plumage and cat of nine tails. 
okay. uh, some Dario Argento giallo films. His first two. Ooh, I'm expecting lots of colors then. Uh, it's not to the level of Suspiria. Uh, right, no. But, but these, are more, these are more grounded films, but yes. Uh, yeah, it, they'll, they'll have style aplenty. All right, all right, all right, good, good, excited. that sounds exciting. Um, well, once again, thank you for listening to our podcast, Film to Film. If, you know, you have any recommendations for any movies, please email us at... Uh, ZAFilmToFilm at gmail.com and follow us on the Twitter at ZAFilmToFilm. Yep, and uh, you can always throw ideas of what you want uh, over there or... Hey, if you watch the movie, let us know. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks. Bye. Bye.